Welcome to TA1, everything you wanted to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, the legendary Randy Erickson. Um, today's guest, maybe a legend also. Anyway, one of uh, probably the top racers in America today, Mark Latanzi from Team Odyssey. Um, known Mark for a while, met him first at Primal Quest in 09, and then he led me on one of my funnest adventures um, in 2010 Untamed New England where I spent a nice four hours with him heading down a mountain covering almost three kilometers in those four hours so it was a good time there's actually a link to the video from that also in the show notes is a link to Mark's website and his other website uh, navigation tips for adventure racers which is a really really uh, interesting site um, kind of geared maybe a little bit for beginning navigation but uh, I think even if you're really experienced there's some things there you could find so um, check that out after you listen to the podcast and uh, I think you'll enjoy it and now here's a tale from the trail great killing taking the bait with your uh, adventure racing stories. So there's so many out there, um, but uh, uh, just one, uh, I guess, recent for me highlight would have been a couple of years ago, and we were racing in Ecuador. I'm going to say highlight. It's really, I guess, a, a, a low light, but I don't know. In the end, it's uh, we're looking back on it with fondness. But the race was about a third of the way done. Uh, the altitude had really taken its toll on us, and we had uh, biked and trekked and navigated our way uh squarely to uh, mid to back of the pack of the race. But we were still chugging along, and there was a long trek uh, leg that was just finishing up, and we crest the hill to get to this tiny village somewhere um, at the base of the Andes. Around the corner, and you see the transition area, and there's a little square in the town, and you can see all the cars. Our support crew vehicle uh, was one uh, at the end of the, uh, the street, and that race was unique in that it connected local families with uh, the race teams, so that we could, um, I guess, experience some of the local culture. And uh, they would also then transport our gear for us, transport our bikes and our food, so they became our staging uh, effort for the whole week. And so the family was really generous. They took us to their house for dinner, and they, they took all this time away from their jobs and everything. But unfortunately, they were not accustomed to driving with bikes on the roofs of their car. And so the bike rack, which I guess they had borrowed from a bike shop somewhere, um, did not uh, agree with my 29er when they went underneath and low overhanging uh, wire, um, I guess a volleyball net that was made out of like steel wire um, in some of the villages. That's what they had. So my 29er, the fork was snapped in two spots and the frame um, pretty badly damaged. Definitely not rideable. Um, my buddy's bike was a really nice one, Jason Reed. <laughs> he had a, like a full titanium that was 26er. And so this 26er did not take any damage because my 29er was just a bit further out, a little bit higher up. And uh, I was, uh, or my bike was the unlucky uh, victim there. So the bike was shot. We ran the corner, and we, we realized what we saw on the roof was a jumbled mass of uh, metal. The things were not right. The 
support crew, they had tears in their eyes. They really felt bad because here they, you know, imagined we'd taken all this effort, traveled to their country, and they had essentially, you know, derailed this uh, race for us. But um, at that time, I don't know, maybe the lack of sleep or whatever it was, um, all of us uh, on the team, we kind of looked at one another, and nobody, like, made a big stink about anything. Um, and I, I know they were looking at me thinking I should be, in, you know, outraged at this, that maybe I was too tired. I had so much sympathy for this family that like, visibly, like the father and the son, like they were all so upset, like hand wringing, and uh, everyone in the team was kind of like gasping when they saw us coming because they knew, oh, that's the team with the busted bike. Um, and so I kind of like laughed it off, and we looked around to see if in the village could we find, you know, something to to ride. And of course, there's nothing, like nothing we could do. So we had raced for about a third of the race, maybe a day and a half or two into this, you know, five uh, day race, and um, we knew uh, that that. You know, could have taken us back, I guess, to Quito and uh, had several days before we fly back. Uh, we could follow and do as much of the race as we can just on foot uh, with paddling and uh, trekking. And so we did the latter. Uh, still got to see beautiful parts of uh, the Amazon and mountains and great sections. We did, um, you know, fortunately, uh, go unofficial then uh, on the race course by that point. Um, and spent a lot more time shuttled in our support crew's tight little tiny vehicle on these mountain roads as they shuttled us ahead, skipping over the bike legs. Um, but, uh, you know, now that's a couple of years in the past, I I, it's, I really don't look back uh, all that uh, time, fun uh, opportunity with friends to go race in a beautiful part of the world, so go race in Ecuador if you have a chance. And uh, the host family, I uh, would have them support us any time because the only <laughs> there's no other family uh, in, in Ecuador that's going to be more careful with a roof rack, I think, than that family. So uh, instead of sending it to them, I'll give you their address. Um, so really, very uh, uh, lots of gratitude. So, and uh, hey, it's an excuse to get uh, get a nice upgrade on my bike. And uh, thanks, Randy, for all you do. I'll be sending Grant some sweet, untamed New England gear. Uh, no, maybe I won't. But anyway, so that's a tale from the trails. So come on, people. I know there's a lot of really good stories out there, and I've got a whole box full of stuff from untamed new england that i just love to send out so uh, the numbers are posted in the show notes hopefully i don't know if anybody's tried the skype i should probably look um, but try skype see if that works and also you can send a voicemail through facebook i want to thank everybody for supporting the podcast if you haven't yet you can go to itunes leave a review hopefully a five-star review or you can go to adventure race world at podomatic.com and follow me um, still looking for some sponsors if anybody's out there or if you'd like to donate to help with the podcast um, decided the easiest way to do it instead of all this other stuff is just go to paypal and you can send uh, send a, a uh, payment donation whatever you want to call it to Legendary Randy Erickson Films at gmail.com. So I think that might be the easiest way. And once again, I'm available for video, photography, your own personal podcast, um, birthdays, weddings, adventure races, trail runs, mud runs, motorcycle races. Um, I think that's about everything. So uh, enjoy the podcast with Mark Latanzi. So here you go. Thanks. I'm doing well. Well, how are you? I'm just fine. So, I should I say I'm doing pretty good, other than we got a little light snow still coming down. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, kind of.
Kind of like white rain, so it's not too bad. Oh, yeah, we're having two days of rain, I guess. So, not just a little bit colder here, but everybody's really, really tired of it. Right. Yeah. So, um, well, thanks for talking again. Yeah. Did 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 you see what happened? That I was I was backing up our our last conversation. Yeah, you mentioned. Just put it. Yeah, and the power went out. And when it went out, it, it literally took everything off the external drive and the whole file. And I mean, the good thing is it was my backup drive. So I still had everything there except our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so who would expect the power to go off on a nice night at 10 o'clock at night? But eh, whatever. Yeah. So, um, and I just because. I don't know why I've been thinking of this, but I remember this from four years ago at Untamed. When I first caught up with you guys, you said we're a really good team, but everything that could go wrong, or every we made every mistake that you could in the last two days. Yeah. <laughs> well, how do you how do you keep going? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what makes it fun, don't you know? Well, yes, <laughs> I understand that, but it, it, I don't know why it struck me so, but I remember that, and I think about that all the time, but I mean, I, I know it's part of the racing, but how do you mentally get over, you know, when something goes wrong, how do you get past it? Right. Well, you know, it depends on what it is. If it's... um. Um, if it's a big thing, you just, I mean, you've got to adjust your race goals, right? And yeah, if yeah. it's not, then, then you just say, okay, well, we're a little behind where we want it, where we were, but we just keep right on going, you know, and everybody's going to have those little issues, so, yeah. uh, you know, and sometimes there's a team that doesn't and, and they win. And so that's how that goes. Do to me, I I get less upset over a big mistake than a little mistake. Yeah. So, it's kind of like, yeah, well, that, the gods were against you on that one. So, right. but if you know, if it's a little mistake, you think you should have caught that. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, it depends on how little, I guess. Yeah. So. There there are times when I when I do something that I feel like I should have known better. And those are the ones yeah. that sort of get to me, but yeah. Well, we're we're not perfect. We're just pretty close. <laughs> yeah, we uh we raised the Odyssey six hour uh, last weekend. Mom, How'd that my go? My girlfriend and I. Uh, well, it was her first race, so we decided to do the six hour, and um, we ended up winning it. So it went okay. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I mean, the, the terrain is new terrain to me, and it looked yeah, it looked pretty open, like you could bushwhack pretty easily, and so that's what we were had decided to do, and we did the, our first bushwhack with bikes, um, went pretty well, and so then there uh -huh. was this second one that it was it was unbelievably bad. I mean, the trail on the map didn't exist. 
So we had to go down the creek and that wasn't horrible, but now we're like a mile down this creek and we have to go up this ridge to find this point and then continue climbing the ridge to get to the road. Uh -huh. And the ridge was a solid mass of rhododendron and really thick pine thickets. Mm. And it took us almost an hour in a six hour race. Wow. And I just thought, no. well, that's it. You know, we're, we're not going to win, but the team that we were competing with really, um, that we were sort of neck and neck with for the beginning two stages, uh, picked the same route that we did. <laughs> so yeah. they did the same horrible bushwhack that we did. And so, so we ended up still being neck and neck. So, so, um, what you're saying is bushwhacking through unpenetrable, unpenetrable pine trees is kind of a theme. In your yeah. Life. Yeah. Well, <laughs> only this one was with a bicycle. Uh, that's yeah, that would, yeah. that would suck. It's, it's a lot worse. Yeah. So, well, I was, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, Teresa was really happy about it, so it was fun. Well, you did. Did you create a monster now? Is she like, when's the next race? Yes. yes. <laughs> that. And then, so there goes your support now. Now you got Now you're going to be racing together. Uh, yeah. Well, this is the first time she's ever even been to a um, adventure race. So. Oh. <coughs> I took, cool. I took her to a row game. Uh, last fall, a 12 hour, and uh -huh. she'd never bushwhacked before. And we did a 12 hour road game. So, so, so how long, how long did it take her not to worry about bushwhacking? Um, <laughs> you know how it is. You start in and you're, you're kind of pushing things away and you're looking for the easiest way. And then all of a sudden you just like bullying your way through. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, did she get that concept pretty quick? Well, you know, she's with me, so she. Yeah, so you did have she didn't have much she's choice. Following me, so yeah. 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 Cool. So, so I. We won't we won't pretend that we we didn't have this conversation before, but I think there's some different things. It, it is one of the one of the things that's kind of nice because after you talk to somebody, you think of some different things, but. Um, so how did you get started being an adventure racer? Um, back in 2000, a uh, friend of mine who was in grad school at Virginia Tech asked me if I wanted to go with her to volunteer at this adventure race down at Nantahala Outdoor Center. And her brother was racing it. And we went down, um, and, and it was actually Norman Trayson's two kind of um, old school adventure racers that were putting on the race. And um, so we went down and volunteered, and it was this horrible weekend, just constant rain, snow at elevation. And we were at this remote checkpoint, and all the teams were coming in in really bad shape, hypothermic. And so we ended up, you know, brewing up gallons of hot chocolate and putting people in hot cars. And we were out there for about 30 hours. Um, and after that, we were all just sitting around. And I just sort of joked, I think racing it would be easier than volunteering at it. And mm -hmm. and uh, Norman Trayson kind of agreed, and and I signed up for their next race. <laughs> I, I think there's some truth to that. At least when you're racing, you have a little bit, 
you're moving, so you stay a little bit warmer, and you, I mean, you have a goal being a volunteer, but there's a little bit more of a goal while you're while you're racing. So, it's hard to volunteer. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, you know work, and I, it, it's fun, but it's it's also it's um, it can be pretty miserable. Yeah, there was a gal in Butcher Gulch in Primal Quest, which is that first big kind of hike a bike bike climb coming out of Galena I don't know if you remember or not she was up there volunteer I didn't even know who she was some somebody that knew somebody and they said would you do this and she said yes she was up there for two and a half days by herself oh my gosh <laughs> with nothing I mean she had no book no magazine didn't you know no music and it's fine when all the teams are coming through but there was probably a day where she was doing nothing and it, that was that would have drove me a little bit crazy yeah if it's your first time volunteering you don't realize what you're getting into you know yeah it's not so bad if you know and you can stock up on stuff and go and you know you find a nice place to sit in the sun and wait for people to come that's kind of enjoyable right <laughs> yeah so what's what was the first race you raced then um I don't remember the name of it, but it was down at Nanahala Outdoor Center in North Carolina, and it was a uh, 12-hour. Okay. Yeah, and then um, oh, we did all right. There was a swimming section that we weren't really prepared for. We had to beach the canoes, and then the trail that we needed was on the other side of the uh, kind of a lake-slash-large river, wide river. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... Um, one of the guys on my team couldn't swim so <laughs> he's like you didn't say we had to swim and it's like well i didn't know <laughs> so we had to sort of um work that out um yeah well drag drag them along yep. stroke and drag stroke and yep. drag yeah and uh and then i signed up for a to odyssey 24 hour and uh that was we didn't finish we were on the course for 27 hours you know and um totally exhausted i had no idea how people could ever get through one of these things and um but it was it was an experience you know we spent months preparing for it talking on the phone it was yeah. me and a friend of mine um a guy named casey and uh it's like oh we need this gear what is that gear i don't even know what that is you know and calling the race directors and, and asking questions on the forum and preparing and getting everything ready. And then it was supported back then. And so we had a support crew and a van and what do we put in the van and what do we eat and when should we sleep? You know, it's a 24 hour race. And, um, yeah, it, it, yeah. It amazes me now somebody can call me at, you know, nine o'clock and say, can you race in the morning? And I can throw it all together, get in the car and drive to a race. <laughs> yeah. So. But I mean, that was, I mean, even today, that's kind of fun talking and getting ready and thinking about it, and you know, part of part of the experience, I think, is is uh, yeah, the pre and the post race. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you did twenty four, and even if you didn't finish, apparently there was something that you liked about it. So, how long was it before then you were into? A, well, let's find a four-day or an expedition race. Well, after that, I decided I needed to learn to navigate. So I signed up for some uh, row gains up in Ohio that I had heard about. Oh. And uh, 
and I did a couple more like 12, 24 hour type races. And then, um, my first long one was probably, well, like expedition would have been primal quest in 2006 in Utah. Yeah. Uh, -huh. uh, but I get, no, I did the beast of the East in 2004. It was a five day. And that was sort of when I really got hooked on them because my partner, uh, we signed up for it, and this was with uh, Kristen Diefenbach, and then they had to move the race because of permitting. They changed the time. It was Instead of in July, it was going to be in September or something, and she couldn't go. And so I ended up doing it solo. <laughs> uh -huh. And um, you learn a lot about yourself after four and a half days in the woods mostly alone so yeah i mean obviously it was probably pretty cool but there had i'm sure there were some low spots yeah there. right you know but there are other teams too you're not totally alone, yeah so yeah so um so do you do you did primal quest in utah you did did you do montana yeah, then we signed and Montana then, and then South Dakota. And South yeah. Dakota. So what's your what's your favorite memory from Primal Quest? Well, from all three of those? Yeah, just so many. <laughs> yeah. Um well, Utah, we got to the uh Castleton Towers at like in mid-afternoon and by the time we'd climbed and propelled and climbed again up onto the rectory it's called the sun was going down and so and there was a bit of a lightning storm and it, and it was just spectacular to be standing up there with the whole desert sort of at sunset getting all red you know reddish and orange and yeah. just it was so so amazing yeah sounds cool that i mean i've heard stories about the the ropes course in utah is it it did it does it did it match all the stories that I've heard about how great it was and how long it was and how hard it was? Uh, it really did. You know, it had it? two rappels that were over four hundred feet, uh, and then and and then it had a couple in the two hundred foot range where you you're in the high desert and you rappel down into a slot canyon, you know, and you really feel yeah like wow. Um, I guess we have to figure out how to get out of here now. You know? <laughs> we can't go back the way we so, came. So, interesting. You know, that's the one thing that has been missing from races since Primal Quest is, is a really epic ropes course. I think I think people kind of miss that a little bit. Yeah, I guess they're just so expensive to set up and the liability, you know, and um, a lot of yeah. people are really under trained and experienced to do those ropes courses so, yeah yeah well and there's only a certain certain amount of areas where you, even physically you can do that i mean you need you know like the canyons in utah or the needles in the black hills where you yeah you could actually set it up but and i liked was i mean i suspect utah was the same way that it was part of the flow of the race Yes, exactly. You were like going across the desert, you know, or a cliff, and then there would be a rappel back down to the river. And it was just, you know, it, there was no, oh, if you don't want to do it, you can go around. There, there was yeah. no around. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's that's I think kind of missing once in a while. Somebody will put something in just so they can say they have a ropes course and maybe not. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But um um you know, we talked about before about Belize and that sounded like that was a pretty pretty cool race, so you know, walk walk me through that again. You know, <coughs> you had that seems to be another theme you have is is sunrises and sunsets in really cool places. Yeah, we um Team Odyssey went to Belize and it was I guess they called it a three day race, three and a half day race. Um and uh but it really was more about highlighting all of the amazing geographic features in Belize. Um, waterfalls and caves and uh, some of the Mayan ruins. One that really stuck out for us was the, it's the largest Mayan uh, pyramid in Belize. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it now. It's been a couple of months. But, but anyway, the checkpoint was on top. Yeah. And so we had to cool. scale up the pyramid and we were cycling to it and we realized, oh, we're going to get there very near sunset. And so we sped up to make sure we got there and we got up on top and the sun is going down in the west and a full moon is rising in the east. And it was just so, uh, you know, beautiful that we hung out for probably 15 minutes and just watched the sunset and the moon rise and took some pictures and then and then we carried on. <laughs> so, Well, it, it's kind of nice that you are are aware enough to take a few minutes in a race and, and remember that and, you know, enjoy the experience. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I like doing that. Sometimes you're just going too fast and you don't, you don't yeah. want to stop, but um, it's always good that if you do want to look around to, to actually stop because I've tried looking around while I'm racing and it usually doesn't end well. Crash no, bike no, or fall, trip and fall, or you know, there's any number of things you can do. It's just better to to stop moving and and take in the scenery and then start up again. So. Yeah, I mean that's it's it's worth it to me. So, um, we spent some time together down in Costa Rica at Worlds. Here's something that I just kind of struck me a couple of weeks ago is. I watched you guys, you know, take a two-hour nap, you know, 10 o'clock at night. You ate some good food, took a nap. And you got up, you know, and this is what, maybe seven days in, and you got up and started moving and were, I think you were on the water in 20 minutes. And I was in a 7-Eleven one morning, and I realized you guys were moving faster than most normal people do at 7-Eleven. Is it? <laughs> And it and it really strikes me. I I'm not a good. I'm I'm little, and I, I sort of understand it because I'm like that at a race too. But how do you get your mind back to moving after you've had a sleep? I, I mean, do you get enough rest in two hours? You do. You really do. It's amazing how much you recover from just a you know even a one hour nap. But um, but but the even when it's a nice day and you rarely get to sleep when it's a nice sunny day and it's 80 degrees but but it, even when it is that you're um you lay down on the ground and sleep for two hours and you wake up and you're cold 
because yeah. you know your body's trying to maintain 98 degrees and the, the outside temperature is just not that and so it's very easy to get moving because that's the thing that warms you up so you just want to get get cycling or running or just moving again just because you have that core chill where you're you're just cold yeah okay i mean that makes sense I, yeah yeah I want to get moving again so what i mean do you have a normal sleep strategy in a race say let, you know let's talk you know an expedition race seven seven ten day race i mean do you have a routine that you try to get into or do you just is it always just playing it sort of well, by it's ear? very situational you know teams we always talk about it what's our sleep strategy yeah. We're going to go through the first night. You know, a lot of teams like to just go through the first night and yeah. then sleep sometime where it's convenient. If there's a dark zone, do we try and make the dark zone and sleep there? You know, what's the, what makes the most sense? So you always have to look at that. Yeah. But um, in general, the steady state is sleeping, you know, one to three hours every night. Once you get going, you know, the first day, sometimes you don't sleep because you're just full of energy. Yeah. Uh, um, my preference is to try and sleep longer for a longer amount of time, but, but, um, fewer actual sleeps. So, yeah, yeah. um, I think you do better if you sleep for three hours, uh, but you have to have the conditions to do that. You know, when you're laying out in the woods without any of your gear, it's pretty hard to sleep for three hours. Uh, yeah. But if you're in a transition area, you've got a tent and four sleeping bags, then it's not hard at all. Um, but it's noisy. So it's like, okay, how do we, you know, work all that out? Yeah. So, yeah. And I think, you know, that's, you got to be watching your teammates, you know, you may be fine, but they may need a sleep or vice versa. So. Yes. And, and there is a lot of just watching the pace of the team. Uh, you know what? We've slowed way down. Let's stop and sleep for 20 minutes just to take yeah. You know, and, and it's amazing you do that and you get up and you start moving twice as fast as you were you know so yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. and I'm sure that takes you know a bunch of races before you I mean I think you probably intellectually can think that but it takes a bunch of races before you're you actually know that's what happens right before you, you realize with, with enough wherewithal to do something about it instead of just trudging through the night for six hours and then realizing you've only gone five miles, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So makes, what was your, what was the worst part about Costa Rica at world championships? Um, yes. You want to, you want to make a list? Yeah. I was going to say <laughs> a lot of worst parts about that race. <laughs> I think the hardest part for me was, Towards the end of the race, there was a 70 or 80 mile paddle. Mm -hmm. And it started out with a raft, a whitewater rafting section, and that was okay. It's actually a lot of fun. And then you got into kayaks, and they were sort of big um, sea kayaks. Uh, Inflatables. Tomcat is. Yeah. <laughs> and we had to go up, up this canal. Um, and they were just really slow inflatables. And we were against the, the current of the canal and, and in some cases, uh, the wind and the tide. And it, the canal was dead straight for 
I want to say 25 or 30 miles. And there was no real land on either side of it because you're right there along the, it's like the intercoastal waterway. Yeah. So we had to sleep in the boats. And plus they said, you know, there's um, caimans, the little crocodiles around. And you have to be careful if you do want to get out and sleep and the insects and the spiders and the... So we slept in the boats. We didn't even bother with that. But uh, it just went on for so long, and you you were going so slowly in those boats in those conditions that, that you know you know you just you definitely got that. Can we just do something else? Feeling, um, <laughs> and so and it was, it was getting towards the end of the race, but it wasn't so near the end that you're excited about you know almost being done. Yeah. Um, so it was just a really long slog. And since, yeah. you know, when you're kayaking and you're moving that slowly, it's very hard to stay awake. You've got that working against you as well. Yeah, I can I can imagine. Well, I know you're not you're not the only one that thinks that about that section. Right. You know, you know what I said is every miserable adventure race story starts with we were in these inflatable kayaks. <laughs> That's right. So, um, throw, tell me one story about JD and throw him under the bus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, JD. Don't, don't worry, because so, someday I'll talk to him and I'll ask him the same yeah, thing. No, about I have to race so. with him at least once this year, if not two more times. <laughs> great. Uh, he is. Yeah. I remember a story about JD, and this isn't throwing him under the bus, but it's uh, we're in Patagonia, which is a is a hard race, yeah. and we're out just in the middle of the wilderness with not a lot of uh, good landmarks to know exactly where we are. The maps are one to a hundred thousand, and they're satellite photos with elevation data overlaid on them, and so they're not very good. And we're in this place where we have to decide whether to go right or left in these two canyons. And I'm looking at the maps trying to figure it out. And I guess I took too long trying to figure it out. And JD's like, we can't just stand here. We've got to keep moving. <laughs> and his mantra is constant forward motion, constant forward motion, yeah. CFM, CFM. Come on, we just have to keep moving. And I'm like, JD... We can't keep moving until I know which way we have to go. <laughs> so you're just going to have to wait. And he's like, no, man, come on, let's just do it. Just pick a way and we'll go and we'll figure it out. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm going to figure it out here. <laughs> and so we had a, I mean, it wasn't even a meltdown. It was just a, all right. Yeah. You know, and, um, and so I looked at the maps probably for another five or 10 minutes and then, all right, I think this is the right way. And, you know, off we went again, but, uh, yeah. That. There you go. Do you know Taz Laurie? Yes, I do know Taz. Maybe him and JD ought to race together. <laughs> <laughs> they would never stop moving. Yeah, well, I am, yeah. I'm a big fan of, <laughs> who, right. knows, who knows where they'd end up, but they'd never stop moving. Right. So, um, so what do you got? You said you might race with JD this year. What do you got planned for this year? Well, we're going in um, August. We're doing the Itera World Series race, which is a four or five day race, I guess, in Wales. And uh, and that one's all 
ago. That'll be yeah. uh, me and JD and Brent um, Friedland from Goals and Jen Moose, uh, my teammate on Odyssey. So we're doing that. Uh, and then JD and I are also looking at an OMM marathon in Iceland over Memorial Day. So it's a pairs race. And uh, he's actually supposed to call me this afternoon to see if he can get time off. And if he can, we're going to go. And then he might end up on our world's team. We've got a team going to Ecuador in November. And we're just waiting to see if um, an Odyssey person can join us. And if not, JD is probably uh, interested and certainly capable. Yeah. So who, who are you who are you thinking about worlds with? You just your Odyssey. Yeah, it's Team, team Odyssey. It's uh, myself, okay. Jen Moose, uh, Shane Hagerman, and then we're waiting on uh, uh, Andy Bacon. To see okay. if he can uh, can, can shake himself it. loose. I mean, it's a lot of time and money, and uh, so. So, what do you um, think about the course and and the altitude that they're talking about doing? Uh, well. I mean, do, I mean, obviously you're gonna, you got to do it, but I mean, does it concern you very much, or do you think, you know, are you fine with it, or, I mean, because I've heard, well, actually, I talked to Nathan Fave, and he, he's not a big fan of races at altitude. He says it, it, it kind of ends up being a, sort of a crapshoot. With well, altitude. it's a crapshoot if you don't know how your yourself and your teammates react at altitude. I mean, I've been yeah. up at altitude enough that I'm a I, I know um, what I can handle and what will be a problem. And yeah. I and the the high pass they're saying is about sixteen five. Yeah. And but it looks like you're just going up and down. You're not spending much time there. Correct. They said three minutes at that kind of or three um percent at that elevation. Yeah. Uh I don't know what three percent of eight days is, but um, <laughs> it's quite a bit actually how you think about it <laughs> right it's it's six or seven hours right yeah um but um i don't know how my team is going to react yeah. but the organizers have said we've learned from our past mistakes and we're not going to send people up and over the pass on day one there'll be some racing that occurs at lower elevations to acclimate everybody before they have to go up and over the pass. And yeah. so, well, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it looks cool. You know, you start, start in a jungle and just walk a straight line till you get to the ocean. How hard can that be? Right. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, and the other thing that, that Nathan pointed out and makes sense is there's not a, an, a, a top, team in the world that lives at altitude so we are all <laughs> you know starting at the same baseline so other than he laughed because kyle peters is trying to buy a altitude team. right yeah <laughs> well there's some teams i already know that are going to go there you know at least a week early and yeah Quito. and so just that week is that'll help yeah that's a big know, difference when we were doing a lot of mountain bike racing inevitably like we'd go to leadville for the the mountain bike the 100 mile and we'd ha we'd have to race on the third day i mean you know you just time wise you know and that's the worst so then we started to figure it out a little bit more and we'd take a week or something and go play and 
and then race. But you know, well, I mean, it 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 looks like it's going to be a pretty cool race down there. So yeah, we'll we'll. So, and Jen will probably like it having some guys that speak English. Right. Yeah. After her worlds <laughs> in Costa Rica with the Brazilians all speaking Portuguese. So. Yeah, I've got it. I've got my little short film going to be coming out pretty good, and, and a chunk of it's her with the uh, with the team up going up Chiripo. Oh. In the end of it, she kind of looks back at the camera like, "Don't go away." <laughs> <laughs> so. But um, uh, the other thing I want to talk about is your your navigation website, blog, website, whatever, yeah, it's whatever you're calling. Those. Um, how's it? Got any idea how it's going? I mean, I've been looking at it. It's really, really good and helpful. But um, got any ideas? Uh, Are people looking? Well, I've got over a hundred people that have. Uh, on the email list and I get, you know, some comments every time I post an entry. So, you know, I haven't anybody, I haven't had anybody say, Oh, this is terrible. You should quit doing it. <laughs> yeah. But well, and you know, on the internet, that is a, a bonus. <laughs> yeah. Just, when nobody says that I'm enjoying it. And I think I'm getting enough positive feedback to keep me motivated to keep doing it. So, um, no. I currently have, I actually just did this um, today. I made a map of where everybody's from because if you sign up on the email list, it asks you just for a, a state, a region, and country. And I've got um, readers from about 20 states and four different countries right now. So, and it's only been going for, you know, a little over a month. Yeah. I mean, it's, from what you know, for me in the podcast, it's you see how long how, you know how it starts to build. So I think that's doing pretty good. Of course, I better go sign up since I've been talking about it. I've been going and looking at it. I it it's it's one of those things that I mean I think I'm a pretty decent navigator. I mean I well okay I was I was lost a half mile from the house. <laughs> <laughs> that's because there's a bunch of trees down and it looks different, but. Even like your thing with spurs and reentrance last this week. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody knows what a spur is and what a reentrance is, but reading your article and looking, you know, at the maps that you marked and highlighted, it's like just really in, uh, enforces it in your mind or, or really focuses it to you. So yeah, you know, you may, maybe you learn one little tiny piece of information that you didn't realize, and, and maybe you don't. Maybe it's just a review. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it's a pretty cool thing. So thank you. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make sure to sign up on the email because <laughs> okay. I give people, I give people grief about not following me. So I guess I should. Oh, yeah. the... <laughs> well, I just looked at the map well, and I don't have any readers in South Dakota. So. All right. Well, as soon as we get done here, well, as soon as we get done, I got to go to work, but <laughs> I'll, tonight I'll, I'll get signed up for it. Okay. <laughs> so. I give Paulette grief because she doesn't even like my Facebook page yet <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> but um, uh, and I guess the other thing that we talked about last time was the the run around the gorge. How's that? How's that going? All right. Yeah, I put on a two day, um, forty one mile uh, 
stage trail run in uh, New River Gorge. And um, this is year five. So it's getting some, some traction and some repeat runners. And uh, I just sort of opened that up for entries a month ago. And, and I've already got, I guess, 10 paid people coming. So um, for this time of year, that's pretty good. And the most I have is yeah. 50 anyway. So, um, you know, yeah. pretty happy about that. Yeah, and it's kind of like, sort of like an all-inclusive weekend thing? Correct. It's uh, sort of two races, right? You race on Saturday and Sunday, and uh, for $350, you get two nights in some cabins with hot tubs and six catered meals, and then all of the race prizes, transportation to the starting lines. Uh, and so that's all, the one price, that's all you're going to have to pay, you know, and come and have a good weekend. Plus, it's set uh, the fourth weekend of October when all the leaves are changing, and so there's a lot of pretty colors, and it, it just makes for a really beautiful run. And it sounds cool. I think I don't know, Paulette. They kind of talked about it. We're gonna, we may be, we may be done by the, she may be done by the end of the that time. So, <laughs> and I may be starting to pack <laughs> for for Ecuador. You know, okay. Here's a question. And I got a lot of answers. All right, you're so you're going okay. You're going to Wales. You're probably a little more efficient than most people. Are you still packing the night before you leave? Uh, usually, but it's not it's not a uh, harried packing. Uh, I just keep a notepad on my desk, and and I'm pretty much packed a few days before, and then. If I think of something that's not in there, I write it down on the notepad. And so, you know, the night before, I just go through that and make sure all that is somewhere in my kit. Yeah, but. yeah. I, I've asked that of a lot of people. And it, I mean, you start six weeks in advance. And, and I, you know, when I went to Costa Rica, my goal was to be packed two nights before. And I didn't make it. And I mean, it was, you know, a specific, I'm going to do this. And, right. So. Yeah, but until that that pressure of, I have to do it, right? Yeah, that's something about that. But it's also kind of fun to have everything laid out and you're looking at it and thinking about it. And, you know, we have a we have a room downstairs, it's our gear room, and it's just lay everything out on the floor when you start to get ready to go. Right. You know. I, I have bins and I put everything into the bins yeah. that I think I'm going to need. And then I carry that into the, living room and I dump it all out and then I sort of go through it a second time, you know, and actually pack it. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost a, almost a meditation or a way to get your mind and body into, into that. Let's go race. Yeah. Well, Costa Rica was interesting for me, not Costa Rica, but uh, Belize because I went to Costa Rica and did a six day stage trail run. Okay. And and then I let, went from Costa Rica straight to Belize, and so I had to pack for the two races. You know, that would, mm -hmm. yeah. And so it was a lot trickier because I had to bring gear with me to Costa Rica, and then I left my bike and my other race gear with teammates to to bring down. And so you know, for the most part, I got it right, but a couple of things ended up in the wrong box, and it's like, oh. Where is that? And then I realized, oh, it's in the other box, and so I don't have it. So, well, you know, nobody's nobody's 
uh, feeling sorry for you, right? Uh, well, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I've gotten that feeling. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, I had a conversation with a gal last night. We we actually had a meeting for the world's Rogaine, and she's says she's one of these people that are stressed all the time. I said, well, become an adventure racer because they're never stressed. Yeah. <laughs> and I. And and I know that's not true, but racers deal with it so much. And and is it? I mean, you know, there's always somebody at a, before a race that their bike didn't show up or their gear bit didn't show up, and and they just sort of deal with it. And, right. Borrow from the racers it, and figure it out. Right. It's just another problem yeah. to solve. Yeah. And do you think our problem solvers do they go to adventure racing or do you just learn? problem solved because you're an adventure racer chicken or egg. <laughs> i think you your problem solving abilities get a lot better by adventure racing so wherever you start you you um you become better at it because there's just you know the the saying that the hardest part of an expedition race is getting four people in all their gear to the starting line and it's amazing the sense of relief that you feel once the gun goes off because now you, it's just okay. I just have to, I just have to race, which is a whole lot easier than what I just went through. Well, it is, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I always say in a, the race starts three days before the gun goes off because you're not getting any sleep and you, yeah, you 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 are probably stressing out more than than during the race. Yeah. So, um, anything cool that we didn't talk about? Uh, oh, I don't know. I think my whole life is cool. <laughs> well, what haven't we talked about? How was your trip to Spain? Cause was that just a cycling trip? Yeah, I, it's an easy trip for me because I don't do any of the organizing. <clears throat> There's a local road cycling team in Blacksburg that goes to Spain every year. And so I just tag along. I just uh, pay my share of the the fee and um and join them so it's a it's a fun trip too it's about 10 of us yeah. went and every day we rode about 60 miles road riding 60 to 80 yeah are you a leader <laughs> and by that i mean quite honestly around here paulette and i always end up doing that organizing everything and putting stuff together and, and trips and stuff and you almost never get to just drop in and go. I am, Are you like I that? am an organizer. I don't know if I use okay. the word leader, but I am an organizer. You know, I I organize run around the gorge. I'm going to do a 12-hour adventure race. I think this fall I'm going to uh, in Blacksburg. Um, I organized a monthly dance for many years, eight or nine years in town. So, yeah, I, I like to create things and and you know put them on. So. Yeah, so well, that's a leader. My, all right. I, I like telling stories about myself. Sure. So we, <laughs> for a long time, we had a really good, and they still do here in town, a good Wednesday night run. And for a while, we had have maybe ten or fifteen people trail running. So we were out running one night, and we and there was a down tree, like a twenty foot tree. And I just said, everybody stop. And they all stopped, and they looked at me and said, "Pick up the tree and let's go." <laughs> and it, I, it, to me, it was. It's like, will they do this? And they just picked it up and they ran with it till I took it and put it down. So, 
<laughs> I don't know what that says about them and or me, but it was kind of fun to see. But it is nice, like your trip. You you know, you pack your stuff, you get on a plane, you go and you ride, and you don't have to worry about any of that other stuff. Yeah, every now and then, you know, it's nice to have yeah. other people doing that. So. Yeah. So, um, where are you thinking about doing your twelve-hour race? Oh, uh, right here in Blacksburg. Uh, paddle will be on the New River, and then we've got a nice, uh, oh, 25 or 30 miles of mountain biking trails and some, yeah, some decent national forests to run around in. So, so kind of uh, trying to get getting some new people in or giving, you know, racers one last race for the end of the year? Or? Uh, I, I have, there's some beginners here that want to get into racing, and so they asked me if I would host a race here. So, well, that's cool that they they want to do that, and you'll do that for them. So that should be pretty. Yeah, pretty a good time. Good. I put one on nine, eight, eight years ago, maybe. So yeah. it'll be a very similar course to that because I don't think anybody remembers it. Um, so, yeah, well, they won't remember much. Okay, um, I got one one final thing, and God, it almost sounds like an interview. What is one thing? No, I have two questions. Okay. We talked about this before, and I asked you, how many people did you think you've raced with in your career? Right. And I probably didn't know then either. <laughs> well, I, it, was, it was over 100. I would say it's over 100, but it's, it's around 100. Yeah. And I mean... Were a lot of them new people? I mean, did you bring, I guess, long way of saying, did you bring a lot of people into the sport? Um, I, I don't, I wouldn't say a lot, but I, you know, 10 to 15, probably brand new racers that have never done it before. Maybe a little more. Well, that's, that's quite a few. So, okay, here's the final thing. And I don't know if you'll have an answer for this, but is there anything about your and we'll say close teammates that if that if you're going to tell me right now that they're going to be surprised by that anything in your life that can surprise one of your teammates Ooh. <laughs> or <laughs> um i don't know that they'd be surprised <laughs> but certainly <laughs> not all of them know that i used to be a an avid dancer. In fact, I used to teach a waltz class every week. So, so that would, that's, yeah, that, well, and part of that is I was, there was a discussion on attack point on what you tell your teammates and what you do during races and how, you know, basically anything goes, even if you're, um, who was it? Somebody, you know, dropped their pants and they picked up, they picked up on a team, you know, he was solo. He dropped his pants right in the middle of the race and then ended up marrying the female teammate later. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it is just kind of interesting if, you know, you, you tell them everything. So, yeah, I'd have never known you were a, a, a professional dancer, so to speak. Yeah, an amateur dancer. <laughs> an amateur professional. So, cool. Yeah. We we have a scoop. Right. Mark the Tansy dancer. <laughs> so, well, thanks for uh, redoing this for me. Sure. So, um, well, good luck with it, and um, 
Yeah, I've, st I've started um, listening to them on your blog, and it's, it's quite interesting. So, um, Well, I've had people say they like it. So right, keep it up. It's, 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 it's like yours. I'll keep doing it until somebody says I really suck. <laughs> <laughs> that I believe. So, um, well, cool. Well, I'm running a little contest to come up with a catchphrase to end it yet, but and I've got some some suggestions, but I haven't picked one yet. So I'm just going to let this conversation fade out again and just say uh, thanks for talking, and we'll see you somewhere down the road later this year. I hope. Yeah. All right. Very good, Randy. You know, um, good luck. I guess you're helping with um, the World Rogaine Championships. I wish I could be there this year. Yeah, well, you know, Wales, Black Hills, you got to pick one. You've been to the Black Hills. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> so okay. But, all right, thanks. Yep. Talk to you later. Yep, see ya. Oh. I know I'm drunk now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I, for, I forgot my favorite man sitting over there. His name is Mr. Doublelina, Mr. Bob Doublelina. Mr. Doublelina, Mr. Bob Doublelina. Mr. Doublelina, Mr. Bob Doublelina. Mr. Mr. Doublelina, Mr. Bob Doublelina. 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 Mr. Bob Doublelina, won't you quit? You really make me sick with your fraudulent behavior. You're gonna make me flip and then an army couldn't save you. Why don't you behave, you little rug rat? Take a little tip from the tabloid. Because I know I'm not paranoid. When I say I saw you trying to mock me, now you and your crew are on a mission trying to hawk me. But it isn't happening, you fraudulent foes. You used to front big time, now I suppose that everything's cool since the style of apparel you adopted. You used to make fun of, but now you wanna rock it. So you gotta kick it with the homies. But DEL is already hip to your cronies. Me and CMP is thought about this, and never have we seen a brother who would hover like Mr. 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 Doublelina. Dress is not the key, Dabalina. It's on the mind and the heart, so you should start by remembering you gotta pay a fee, Dabalina. Double. 